214. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So once again, uh, Ezekiel 29 and Ezekiel is still in this section is where, where he's giving prophecies against the nations. Right. So he's not prophesying specifically in this section to Israel, but he's prophesying to the nations. Right. So chapter 29 He's giving these uh, oracles of judgment to Egypt, right? So again, remember last time we talked about all the other surrounding immediate neighbors of Israel, Edom, Ammon, Moab, right? Philistia, all these surrounding nations. But now he's going to talk to the more powerful one, Egypt. And Ezekiel in this section uh, will give seven, seven different discourses of judgment on Egypt. And Egypt is the seventh nation in the particular sequence right so remember seven is this very important number in the biblical narrative the number of perfection the number of completion and here ezekiel is rounding out his discourse with egypt now the thing we need to know about egypt is that if the chief problem with tyre and we talked about tyre the city state uh the phoenician city state uh last time the chief problem with tyre was economics right they were wealthy they were greedy they had money and they abused wealth well, the chief problem with Egypt is their military power, right? They had a ton of military power. And the text is going to say this. Look, I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great monster lying in the middle of his Nile, who says, hear this, my Nile is my own. I made it for myself. There's an old saying that says, um, Power is never good unless he be good who has it, right? And power, what we're going to see, leads to this kind of thinking, right? Power is never good unless he be good who has it. The immense military power and the vast kingdom that they had made in Egypt or, or that they had in Egypt made them believe that they weren't merely the recipients of God's good gifts, but the creator of them themselves, right? So not only is God coming against them for that, though, he's also going to talk to um, Egypt about, yo, you guys are trying to deify yourselves, but also you guys tried to assist my people when I brought Nebuchadnezzar against them. Right. Nebuchadnezzar is my instrument of judgment on my people. And you guys tried to get into a middle of a fight that you ain't had nothing to do with. Right. And so Egypt, again, he's going to talk about, yo, like I'm going to destroy them. And what we find is Egypt never becomes a world power again after the wrath that God inflicts upon them from Babylon. Right. And God's word is so sure, man, like his judgment is often cited here, um, you know, against kingdoms and nations to show that he is the king of all kings. And, and no nation, no matter how powerful or how enduring they may seem, deserves our total commitment or allegiance. God is going to say like, yo, the proper or the improper use of power will receive the judgment of God. Chapter 30. Um, he's just going to continue. Ezekiel is just going to continue poetically and metaphorically describing the judgment that is coming upon uh, Egypt. And one of the things he's going to say here is that, man, looking at the text, it's not just Egypt 
right? So he's going to say this. This is what the Lord says. Those who support Egypt, hear this, will fall <laughs> and its proud strength will collapse. So we see this theme of pride again. From Mignal to Syene, they will fall within it by the sword. This is the declaration of the Lord God. They will be desolate among the desolate lands and their cities will lie among ruined cities. They will know that I am the Lord when I set fire to Egypt and all its allies are shattered. In other words, God is going to say, man, check this out. All the folks who usually lock arms with you and who think they got your back, Cush, Put, Libya, etc. All other nations that neighbored Egypt would help them fight would be no help. In terms of coming against the Lord of Armies, right? Like, so God is going to talk about breaking them down, but he's also going to talk about <laughs> breaking Egypt's arm, right? And one of the cool things about that is it's very uh, subtly a play on what they believe. So uh, the arm of Pharaoh, figurative and idiomatic, because in ancient Egypt, um, Pharaoh is often characterized as having a strong hand and being the possessor of a strong arm. And so in the Exodus Exodus narrative, God is going to say, yo, I brought you out of Egypt with a strong arm. And so here he says, like, yo, I'm going to break Egypt's arm. Now, Egypt doesn't literally have an arm to break, etc. He's personifying a nation. However, he is playing on what they believed. And he's saying, like, yo, God is saying, nah, fam, I am the one who is actually sovereign and with true power to destroy you. Right. And so he's going to play on that theme just to say, like, yo, um, Y'all may be strong, but y'all ain't, y'all ain't seen nobody like me, right? And so in chapter 31, we get the fifth oracle against Egypt. And God um, is used going uh, to use this allegory, right? This uh, allegorical analogy to make his point as he speaks about Assyria. And he's going to say this, who are you like in your greatness? Think of Assyria, a cedar, very important, in Lebanon with beautiful branches and shady foliage. And of lofty height, its top was among the clouds. So remember, Assyria was this great nation uh, earlier in the biblical narrative who took Israel, the northern kingdom, into captivity. And they were the most powerful nation in the world at the time. Now, he's going to compare Assyria, hear this, to Egypt, right? He's setting this up. But he's also compares Assyria to a cedar, right? And so cedars in this day and culture were a type of tree. They were very thick. They could grow to about 120 feet high and 40 feet wide. We can't even imagine that, right? So cedars in this day and culture were a prominent symbol to speak of something with uh, royalty and majesty, right? And it's wood, the actual wood that came from this tree would be considered valuable. So much so that uh, Solomon, when he builds the temple, he would use actual cedar to help build it. And so Assyria is like a cedar. It's like a cedar tree. Big, powerful, high up to the sky. He's going to say his roots go down to Sheol. And he's like, yo, they fail, <laughs> right? So he'll say this intent. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Since it towered high in stature and set its top among the clouds and it grew proud on account of its height. I determined to hand it over to a ruler of nations. He would surely deal with it. I banished it because of its wickedness. Foreigners, ruthless men from from the nations cut it down and left it lying. And so, yeah, he's just going to say here like, man, Assyria thought they was them guys. And guess what? They got cut down. Right. They fell. Right. And he used Babylon to conquer Assyria. Right. And so um, Ezekiel, Ezekiel is going to scribe this great fall here and. 
although the initial uh, allegory is referring to Assyria, the indictment actually uh, begins to blur lines, right? So he's going to talk over and over about the past judgment on Assyria and the future judgment coming on Egypt, alternating uh, between the two um, in his prophecy. And Assyria's fall, listen, serves as a warning, right? It serves as they, this is the warning sign that Egypt will suffer the same fate. And what he will do is at the end of this passage in 31, he's going to start talking about this concept of Sheol. Sheol in the Old Testament is basically the place of the dead, the place of the underworld in which figuratively speaking, um, in which in Old Testament understanding, um, you know, is the place where um, the unrighteous would go. And Egypt would be consigned to that space because of God's judgment upon them. And what we learn again is powerful nations and kingdoms have come right but god alone holds the key to life and death right no nation or kingdom will survive past this life and god listen god doesn't just determine our earthly fate he determines our eternal fate and the beauty of the gospel is man we have to give thanks to God that we have a savior who secured our eternal fate by his own death and resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, the unjust kingdoms and nations of this world will not stand or endure, Father, but um, your kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that is not of this world will. I pray that we will put our trust, allegiance, hope in that kingdom and that we will remain humble as a result. It's in Christ's name I pray.